The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. I am your host, and I am so glad you decided to join us again this week. This is episode 28. We've got a fantastic show for you. Before we jump into our show, I just wanted to thank all of you who reach out to me on a regular basis. Over the last couple weeks, uh, three friends of mine from my past have all reached out to me via text or via email, and Matt, Dave, Ken, just appreciate all of you. You're all good friends. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us. And it just uh, just makes my day. Thank you so much. I also want to give a quick shout out to an Instagram page that I've kind of been talking back and forth with. You know, I enjoy comedy and uh, enjoy all things LDS. Sometimes I think LDS style comedy pushes it over the limit and we have to be careful. But I got turned on to this Instagram site called Mormon Funnies and just hilarious, really good stuff. If you're on Instagram, highly recommend you check out Mormon Funnies. All right, on to this week's show. Our guest this week is Joel Bishop, an incredible actor. Guaranteed you've seen him in one of his movies, TV shows, commercials, one of his church productions, even print. The guy does it all, and he's just such a good guy. That's our conversation this week. And this week on My Latter-day Life, I'm going to tell you uh, my experience with some judgmental Mormons. Don't worry, it's not what you think. It's a a pretty darn good story. So uh, that's pretty much it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. My guest today, you have definitely seen before if you are a member of the church and you've watched any kind of church media because he's there quite a bit, not to mention if you watch TV, you watch commercials, you watch TV shows, especially stuff here in Utah, but gosh, all across the country and around the world, my guest is Joel Bishop. Joel, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Sean. Good, good. Joel, you really are, you are an actor's actor, like you are a trained actor you are in all kinds of different things that people would know you. And I get the feeling you're that guy who people may or may not know your name, but when they see your face, they go, oh yeah, I've totally seen that guy. Do you get that a lot? That's an interesting question because I honestly, I rarely get recognized. Really? That I, surprises me. I mean, I've done a lot of stuff. So people have seen me on commercials and in church projects and other things, but I rarely get stopped. I'll be honest. The only time people recognize me almost always it's because they've just served a mission and they've watched. I always call it the new first vision. But oh I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a transitional character. I'm a, I'm a preacher in that. Yeah. And people always quote a line. It's usually not my line, but they remember seeing my face. Anyway, <laughs> but it's usually only those people that ever say, "Hey, I know you. Do I?" And I go, yeah, uh, "I'm an actor," and that's that's usually what happens. Yeah. Once, one yeah. time, a the, <laughs> a random person came up and said. Hey, you, you were the mall manager in, in that one Santa movie, right? No kidding. And, and that was, I'm like, no one has ever, ever <laughs> recognized me from that because I'm wearing goofy glasses. That's I from think, Stalking Santa. Stalking Santa. Yes. And uh, that was, so one time somebody recognized me from that. And otherwise it's been church, uh, usually the first vision yeah. uh, sort of thing. But, but I rarely get stopped. 
Yeah, that's actually really surprising to me because you are in, I feel like every time I turn on my television, you're there. <laughs> in fact, I, I think I may have even texted you about this, but there was one time I was in Europe or Asia or somewhere and some commercial came on and it was, uh, it was you. It was, you were there, it was in a different country and there you were. I wonder what yeah. that was. Oh, this was years ago. This was years, but I, I think I remembered texting you and going, hey, <laughs> hey, just hey, guess what? You're on TV wherever I was, <laughs> Mexico or somewhere anyway. Um, tell us about that first vision project. So there was a stretch, I'll, I'll answer that question. There was a stretch of, I don't know, four or five years, I want to say, where I was doing a lot of things with the church, with official church projects. One was the... Again, I call it the first vision. Yeah. Um, and, and then right around the same time, we did a Kirtland story, which they mm-hmm. show at the Kirtland Visitor Center film. Now you can watch it online, as well as the, the Joseph Smith movie that's at the Joseph Smith building. Right. And I play Parley P. Pratt in that. Right. So over the stretch of, I want to say, four years or so, I really, I was nourished spiritually as an actor. Yeah. Because anytime you can go on set... And you start the day with a prayer. That's always nice. And you've got, you're surrounded, usually you're surrounded by great people regardless of the project, but certainly on, on these projects you are, cast and crew. And, and it just, it was such a, an uplift to me yeah. as an actor to be a part of these. Not that the only thing I want to do is our church projects. Of course not. Of course not. But boy, what, an, what a spiritual uplift. And there's, I mean, there's more stories I can share about, um, but that particular project was... And you played a preacher? I played a preacher. Yeah. And, and, the, and the concept behind that character, kind of an amalgamation of a few different real-life people, was to be, this is like Joseph's mentor. And he was. Yeah. Um, Joseph did find uh, one of the preachers that did kind of resonate with him. Got him on the path. Got him on the Thinking. right path. Hey, yeah. he, he tells him, go pray about this. Go, go do the right thing. And he does. Awesome. And then... I'm the guy that kicks him out of the wagon after he tells the story. He said, don't tell anybody about this. So I'm the bad guy then. Darn you, Joel. You do that. (laughs) What was it like playing Parley P. Pratt? That was fun. One of my most spiritual and and powerful experiences on set was was doing that. We were uh, were recreating the Richmond Jail, and um, Nate Mitchell, who plays... The uh, grown-up Joseph. Yeah, he's so great. He's fe- phenomenal. Love him as a person, love him as an actor. But we did that scene, and, and I think you've done enough acting. You've certainly done directing and stuff where when they're filming one side of the scene, meaning they're showing one actor and the other other side is the other actor, but they're not showing it. They're off-screen. Yeah. Usually when you're that person, you're the off-screen per, um, talent, you don't go all out. Sure. Because they're not capturing that. Right. You save it for the film. Well, Nate Mitchell, when we're doing this scene where where he stands up to these guards who are swearing and bragging about all the horrible things they've yeah. done, every time, every time he went all out. And it it, it as an actor, I mean, the it got to me. And as yeah. a as a person who understands the spirit and felt the spirit, it was it was one of the most spiritual experiences that just it felt like Joseph was there rebuking these guards. Mm, wow. and, and it just, it was amazing. And I think it was an experience that all, all the other actors mentioned too. It was just... Yeah, I think if, you know, if our listeners haven't seen it, the way that scene comes out too is just power. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, he is very powerful. Uh, just the way, he, the way he stands up generally. 
Um, one of the things that, uh, you know, you have a, a thousand times more acting experience than I have, but sets tend to have a spirit to them. Like sets have a culture almost, you know, and mm. we've, uh, we've both been on sets where the culture is everybody's angry, everybody's yelling, everybody's swearing, everybody's whatever, and your right. day ends and you just can't wait to get away w- from it. But we've also both been on set where it is an uplifting thing and you actually go, it can be a very spiritual experience. Yeah, t- very much so. Very yeah, much so. we had uh, Working With Lemons uh, came on, you know, they have a YouTube channel that uh, they do all kinds of stuff. And that was one of the things they talked about was halfway through the day, anytime anything's going wrong, they all look around and go, wait a minute, did we pray this morning? <laughs> they said nine out of 10 times, if they're having a bad day, they just didn't pray that morning. It's nice to, nice to pray on set. So, so how did you get started in acting? Tell us a little bit about your background. So I was the kid that was always getting detention or getting in trouble <laughs> in school. I, I'm sure you know nothing about that. Never, never once. once. Yeah, I was, uh, I think it was my fourth grade teacher that called me Spaghetti. That was her nickname for me. <laughs> she called me Spaghetti because I could never sit still in the stupid chair, you know, these dumb little desks and I'm just moving around. Anyway, I would make voices and do stuff. And yeah. I guess that prepared me for doing some plays and stuff and yeah. in school. And, and of course, there was a girl involved at one point that just, oh, she's going to be doing stage crew. So I want to be in the play so yeah. I can hang out with her. And so it was always interesting. Uh, it wasn't until after my mission when I went to BYU, knowing yeah. I want to do something creative, whether it was singing or drawing or, or acting. And, uh, and really, it was the voiceover side of things that, mm. that kicked it off. David Morgan, my one of my professors, um, did the voice and diction class. And then he talked about, here's how much some of these guys make doing voiceover. Yeah. And I'm like, if I never, if my face doesn't ever work out, <laughs> hopefully my voice can. And that, that kind of spurred me to go, let's give this a go. And we don't know if it's yeah. going to work or not. Uh, but boy, were we blessed that I was able to do it for 15 years plus yeah. full time. You you have that consummate radio voice. I mean, you have that voice. You have that tenor that I don't have. I have that obnoxious, squeaky voice. You've got that low register, that natural register of... Well, right now, your voice is not squeaky. See, you. look at that. Gosh, that drives me nuts. I'm so <laughs> jealous of your voice being able to do that tone. It's pretty impressive. Um, so did you grow up here in Utah? No, I grew up in Wisconsin. Born, yeah. in, born in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, moved to Wisconsin when I was two. So Where in remember. Wisconsin did you grow up? Wauwatosa. Wauwatosa. Woot. That is a very Wisconsin-sounding town. Yes, named after Chief Wauwatese, meaning firefly. Yes. <laughs> and that is true. <laughs> Where, so, wait a minute. Was it the Wauwatosa Fireflies was no. the high school? Oh, they no. missed that No, there's a Wauwatosa West and a Wauwatosa East. West is best, yes. of course. You're from the West, okay. Yes, East is so least. So, wh- where is Wauwatosa near? How would our listeners know it? So, it is... It's west of Milwaukee. So, I mean, okay. it's a it's a Milwaukee suburb. Gotcha. And, um, yeah, I mean, West Dallas, which I, n- nobody's going to know those cities. Oh, I don't want to brag, but I have spent a lot of time in Brown Deer. Okay. I, you know where Brown Deer I, is? I, I do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the way you pronounce it is is uh, like a Utah. It's oh, just Brown Deer. Brown Deer. But you're going Brown Deer. Brown Deer. <laughs> That's how I pronounce it, Brown Deer. Yeah, Menominee Falls. I spent a lot of time in Menominee Falls area. My sister lives there with her family. See, I know it like a local. Very good. So you grew up there. What took you out to Utah? Did you you leave from Wisconsin on your mission? Correct. Yeah, I went to uh, my mission to 
the Germany Hamburg mission, mm. and um, and then came back, lived in Wisconsin for another oh six to eight months when I got home, and then came out here to Utah for BYU and stayed. Never planned on necessarily living in Utah. My family's roots, both sides, are from Utah. Yeah. So lots of relatives, but you know, I grew up in the Midwest, loved it. Yeah. And uh, but this has been a phenomenal place. I've just I stayed. Yeah. So you came out for BYU and then just never left. When you say it like that, it makes it sound <laughs> a right. little pathetic. I but, came uh, <laughs> here for a six-month internship 23 years ago. So Where did you come from again? California. Oh, I, yeah, I knew My that. wife and I are California natives. I knew that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So no, that's you, Utah has this way of keeping you here. Were you surprised at how vibrant the Utah film scene was? Yeah, when, when I got... So I graduated in 96 and was really fortunate to get uh, with a great agency and jump right in and start working. And really before that, I don't think I knew completely how vibrant the film scene was. And it's changed over over the last 20 odd years, but but because of the Sundance Institute and uh, the Sundance Film Festival, bringing in lots of film projects, it, it was the independent film capital, I think, of the world at that point. And it's changed now, but yeah, yeah. It, was, it was pretty cool to know there's all sorts of things. Plus, we've got uh, tons of uh, TV shows yeah. being recorded here, and like it was the fifth place in the nation for commercials because of the landscape. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. We were laughing. Um, gosh, I don't remember who the actor was. One of my guests, we were laughing about how outside of the state of Utah, it's very impressive if you've been on Touch by an Angel. <laughs> Within Utah, I don't think I know an actor who was not on Touch by an Angel, including yours truly. Uh, but I think everybody has that. Ooh, I was on Touch by an Angel. <laughs> right. Uh, you're going to put that on your resume because it's worth it. But yes, it's, it's worth it. But it's just not as special maybe as it would be in other places. Oh, don't. I wouldn't diminish your <laughs> impact on that. <laughs> that is a fantastic impression. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh... That was not Roma Downey. That was the other one. No, I'm kidding. I, yes, yeah. that was perfect Della Roma Reese. Downey. Come on. That was excellent. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about your family. Uh, tell us how, how you met your wife. So I'm going to go back to my mission because I was serving in the Germany-Hamburg mission, which included West Berlin at that oh, point, wow, which cool. for those of you that know geography, at least at that point, I don't know what your the age group of your listeners are, but if you're younger, you're like, I read this in a history no, book. No, our, our, our age group is 75 and up. So okay, we're, so we're you fine. you remember no. that. Okay, um, so I was in Berlin. West Berlin, wow. West Berlin, and uh, and my <laughs> sister MacArthur was was in my district. And in our district meetings... She, we, she's from Chicago. I'm from the Milwaukee area. Those two cities, Midwesterners, yeah, Midwesterners. But those two cities don't like each other. Mm. And so, in district meetings, we were so sarcastic to each other. In fact, the, <laughs> like the the district would keep tally, like, oh, Elder Bishop has one. Oh, Sister MacArthur, you know. And and so, anyway, we we met there, and then ended up serving in the the German uh, speaking branch, and also the American Servicemen's War. Oh, wow, cool. So her companionship and our companionship, and. Um, Got to know each other fairly well, snarky, sarcastic with each other. She writes me when she gets back uh, to Utah, where she was going to BYU. Anyway, writes me a few times, well, whatever, come out to BYU, run into her. I've given a long story here, but no, it's but this is a story. worthwhile story. This is story. a worthy story. This is a worthwhile story. So I go my first weekend at BYU. Yeah. It's the winter term, and there's a dance. And my cousin, who had just gone off his mission, I said, okay, let's go to the dance at the Wilkinson Center. 
And so we go there and just being nerdy as you are want to of be course. after a mission. And uh, I see Sister MacArthur walking and she looks phenomenal. She's yeah. walking down the hallway and... And so we ended up talking and dancing for an hour while her date was sent downstairs to wait in line for the late night movie. <laughs> she was on a date, but she's dancing with you. She's dancing with me. And, um, and then there was a mission get together like the next night. And I convinced her to drive me because I didn't have a car. And anyway, we dated through that Snowballed semester. Snowballed from there. It was, it was crazy. Now, the funny, a funny tag to that is there was a mission reunion, I don't know, a couple of years later. And one of my companions in Berlin, from Berlin, um, American, but he was uh, serving with me in Berlin. Anyway, we uh, were all sitting at a table together. Da 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 da. Chris and I are next to each other, and um, I had to leave, so I get up and I give her a kiss, and he nearly lost it. He didn't know you were married. He didn't know at that point because he just thought <laughs> we're all good friends and talking. And we're like, "What's going on?" Because they. Why are you kissing Sister MacArthur? I mean, you guys hated each other. I'm like, no, not really. Yeah. Anyway. Were you already married at that point? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah at that point we were fantastic. married. So was the fact, was it a little bit exciting that night you're dancing? Because at one point this is, I'll throw out all the German I know, verboten. It was very good. Thank you very much. I'm very proud of that. Um, <laughs> but she was, it was forbidden. And now all of a sudden you're like, hey, wait a minute. You're not Sister MacArthur anymore. Yeah. No, it was, it was weird. It was interesting. Um, yeah. You know, we, we both, I think we were both good focus missionaries. You know, sure. you, you're not allowed to date on your mission. As of you course. Know. I mean, our mission pre- president says, yeah, one date, and then you go home. <laughs> no, that did not happen. So no, we weren't, we weren't interested that way on our no, of mission. Of course. No, but then you get home and that's really cool. It's, and what a cool story you have for your kids. You guys have five kids? Five kids. Yeah. What are the age ranges of your kids? So the oldest is 23. So we're 23, 21, Am I doing the... I better be doing the math right. 23, 21, 17, 13, and 11. Now, do any of your kids have the acting bug? Do they say, I'm going down dad's path? Uh, all of them have done something. Okay. The, I'd say the two oldest and then the fourth. So it's boy, girl, boy, girl, boy. Oh, nice. Um, probably the biggest interest in, in acting. And, um, and for a while, my, uh, my 21, 21-year-old daughter was doing that at BYU and um, <clears throat> she's taking a break right now, but they've all done stuff. They enjoy it. Oddly enough, they're, they're hams and they like yeah. to, to be in front of a group and stuff I, for the most part. Now you have a regular job now, as well as all the acting stuff that you do. How dare you say regular job? <laughs> you know better than that. <laughs> yeah. I guess your job's not too regular either, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's the, it's the um, diminishing the value of being a full-time actor or yes. artist when you say real job. <laughs> Not at all. Job. In fact, we had Jeff Burke here. So he's so, done a lot of presenting also. Right. So Jeff, Jeff Burke and I are, um, were colleagues. Yeah. In fact, Scott, who you've also had, Scott Christopher. Right. Scott was. He's the guy that got me to yeah. OC Tanner, which is my full-time job now. I'm a mm-hmm. speaker and trainer. Train which leadership. is acting. I, I really want to, you know, I've done a lot of corporate training and a lot of speaking it's acting. You're being the character of yourself, but it's not, you're not the same way that you and I are sitting here now. It's your presenting self. Being an actor, I think helps, right? Absolutely. So the reason I was hired, I think was because of, look, I can get in front of people and use words and stuff (laughs) and smile and share concepts. And so uh, that was, that was a big part of what got me that job initially. 
and since I've also added some value, like being a, a subject matter expert, but right. definitely the skills that I learned as an actor yeah. um, play into it. I mean, I've got to articulate. I've got to know how to share ideas and to get the most out of people. And, and how to be dramatic and draw people in at the right moment. Right. I mean, that's a big part of what acting is. I, I'm going to put in a big plug for you, Joel. I had the rare, and you may not even remember this, but oh. I had the rare honor of directing you once. I remember this. <laughs> I did get to be your director once. Do you, do you want to? And it was very, very loose. Tell, tell, us, tell us the character that you were playing when I directed you. So for those of you that remember Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, um, he, a great character. He, I mean, over the top, just general character. That's, that's who he is. But um, I believe this was for Novell. And, yeah, and I believe you, so. you and your... Um, business partner brought me in, auditioned me, and I got to be the, it wasn't the croc hunter, I think it was the tech hunter. It was hunter the tech hunter, yes. And for Novell. And um, anyway, it was just, it was such a fun thing to do, be this crazy character. And then let's mix in some like technological terms and stuff. So yeah, it was a lot of fun, gotta tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it still makes me laugh. You nailed the whole Steve Irwin thing, <laughs> not just the voice, but the mannerisms. I mean, you were the crocodile hunter of technology, but then you took it to that next level over the top. And in fact, I remember the part that I directed, because you've done one other part too, as the crocodile hunter, tech hunter, whatever. And I remember we didn't really have much of a script for you. We showed up not really knowing what to do. And I remember my business partner, Tyler Meesom, saying, yes, but Joel is one of the best actors that we've ever worked with, and he'll be fine. And I remember, too, that it was so impressive that Novell actually had you come live. And you were like on stage being the crocodile hunter. And then that parlayed into your your agency actually listing you as the crocodile hunter. Like that turned into a whole thing. <laughs> it, yeah, it was a fun springboard uh, to do that. So, yes, had a number of opportunities with Novell. Really appreciative for that. Where I got to do videos and then live stuff and yeah. travel all over for that. But I also had the opportunity after that to be the virus hunter for like IHC and the uh, the bone hunter for some commercials for the Dinosaur Museum at Thanksgiving Point, which Did was just opening really? up. Yeah. That turned into a whole thing. It turned into a whole thing. So I, I've, I've just been digitizing some of these VHS tapes and stuff <laughs> recently. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's that. And, I, and then recently I had another opportunity, just first time in years. To, to be the crocodile hunter. Yeah, and they didn't know. Like, we just need somebody that can do... Australian and and maybe sort of like this. I'm like, oh, you mean should I break out my outfit that I've got? Because I've I've got an outfit. You are legitimately all right. So can you do it on demand? Can can our can our listeners hear the croc hunter? Yeah. What would you like to talk about? Come on, Sean, <laughs> a little ripper. Tell us tell us about your last trip as the crocodile hunter. My last trip as a um, as the crocodile hunter or as um, as an Aussie Tanner uh, leader or whatever. Yeah. Tell us about O.C. Tanner trip. Great. So I was I was with the Fit Body Boot Camp folks. <laughs> Lots of great people. The largest group I've ever done. And by largest, I mean, look at their guns. I mean, can you believe it? Massive. Uh, anyway, they're great people. Very, very engaged in, in listening to how recognition helps build a culture. And it was phenomenal. It was great. I wish you could all see Joel. His <laughs> whole body just turns into the crocodile hunter that's fantastic I, it's my weirdness coming out that's that's what made it possible for me yeah. to be the croc hunter I, i'm a spaz anyway so so some of our listeners who may not know you from from the crocodile hunter may darn well know you from the saints and soldiers films tell us a little bit about that 
So I've had the chance to be, the privilege to be in, in two of the films. Now, all of the films all take place in the World War II, but in different theaters, and so none of those storylines are the same. However, uh, the first Saints and Soldiers, I got to play a German border guard, and, uh, and my part was all in German. So if you, and I'm in this white, furry, pimped out coat, it was kind of crazy, and, and uh, uh, if you didn't know it was me, you might not recognize me. Yeah. Uh, but I get to shoot shoot out the uh, guys trying to break way to freedom. And some of them, it looks like I shoot some of my own guys in one of the takes. And I, I anyway, that's my memory. <laughs> um, but I also had a chance to be in the, in the last one, which is the void. Yeah. And I got to be a Hellcat commander. And that yeah, you was, got to play quite a role in that. And that was I cool. Mean, you're a major, major part of that film. Yeah. That was, that was a great experience. I mean, anytime you can play soldier yeah. and, and shoot tanks and stuff. I mean, that, that was a lot did of fun. Did you get really into it? Like, did you, I mean, did it feel like you were really in that theater? Uh, well, as much as you can. I mean, I, I mean, know you're making a film and you got to focus on acting and whatnot. I just feel like that would have been a fun project. It, it very much was. I mean. Plus a lot of cool people on. I mean, when I know a lot of the actors from those right. films and just a great group of people. It was a, the core cast was, is a very ensemble group. I mean, there were some. The major leads, uh, Dana Gerald had the had the really the lead in the um, in the movie, um, and Adam Gregory. But but the rest of it, it was very ensemble, and so we really hung out together and had a great mm. time. You know, with Michael Barons and Matt Meese, and yeah, um, it just it was a lot of fun. And Ryan Little is phenomenal to work with as a director. That's and, all that and I've Adam heard. Abel as a producer. I mean, they yeah. they just do a really good job of creating a great environment. Yeah. Have you ever had to turn down a role because of your LDS faith? Yes. Um, and I'll be honest, I, I think the the best way to be an actor, if you're going to stick with your morals and what you stand for, it's going to come down to the audition. When When you're given an audition or opportunity to audition, you really need to do as much research as you can and and know that this just doesn't look like a project that I feel I would be able to stand behind or would want anybody to see. And so ideally you up front, you can go, you know what? I'm just not going to do that. Yeah. And I've had a few of those, well, a number of those opportunities and some where they've requested me and I'm like, I just, I don't feel good about that. And then there's been a few others where, because I've done enough acting and people that, you know, if they know that you're good or, or that they can work with you, yeah. you're good to work with, they'll just cast you. Mm. And there's been a few of those projects over the years where, like, you know, I'm sorry, I, I'd love to help you. I just don't, I don't feel I can do this one. Yeah, what what a lot of people don't realize is that when an, an actor, um, sometimes, especially in the auditions, now it changes if you know the production company, you know the casting agent, whatever it is. But there are times where they'll say, "Hey, we need you to audition for Project X." It literally doesn't even have a name, right. or it might be something innocuous like, you know the boy who cried or whatever. And, and then they give you what are called sides, which is a, a couple pages of the script. Your couple pages of the script may be fantastic because you're playing a, a doctor and it's a scene in a doctor's office. But then the next scene, something really awful <laughs> happens and you don't know that that happens. So sometimes right. if you haven't done your homework, you get down the road and go, wait a minute, I can't be a part of this. Well, and, and oftentimes, many times, there's only so much homework that you can do because they're very protective of their project. And so you only get those sides and uh, I I was cast in one thing that I couldn't, I really couldn't get out of, and, and I will never say what the name of that sure. was. It just, my scene was fine. It was a great dramatic piece, and it was with a great actor, 
a well-known actor, only to find out that the whole project is just junk. It is garbage. It is awful. Mm. I'm like, oh, because I'd already that said it's out there. Yeah. yeah. And I, I said, hey, I'll, I'll do this and being cast. And then after being cast, then they send the whole script and it's like, oh no. Oh, what did I get involved with? Yeah. Why did I, why did I do that? Yeah. So I, if you're aspiring to be an actor, do your research as, yeah, as best you can and certainly let the spirit guide because there's been other things where it's like, eh, this looks okay, but I just, I don't feel right about it. So and that's what happens when you carry the spirit is the spirit will tell you those things. Right. I, now, when you were full-time, nothing but acting, which is not easy. I mean, that is feast and famine like right. nothing else. We were very, very blessed. How hard was it to walk away from parts when <laughs> you're looking at literally like, hey, I'd like to go on vacation with my family or I want to, you know, whatever. How hard is that to walk away? So the way you phrase that, there's two answers to that. One, it, it is difficult because this is your livelihood and you're pr- providing for your family. I cannot make the decision for some of my great friends that are out there and you know don't love some of the projects they've done, but I don't make that decision sure. for them. Agreed. And, and it'd be very easy to go, why in the world would you do that? They have to make that decision for themselves. You need to do what you feel right about. And so, yeah, it is hard because if this is your livelihood and you have a chance to do a, a nice paying job, yeah, boy, it's very, it's very tempting. Yeah. Um, the second, the way you phrase that, it's like, well, because I want to go on vacation with my family. Here's here's what we also found, is that if we were ever going to do anything as a family, we just had to know, okay, this is when we're going to do it. Maybe it's a little bit of flexibility that we can play with, but here's when we're going to do it, knowing that inevitably work is going to come through, and we're just going to have to say no because we're gone. Mm. And that happened. That's happened probably every time. Yeah. And, but it's like, I'm not going to give up my family time. That's great. And, um, and it's important. And again, we were blessed. Doesn't mean there weren't hard times. Way, way, way hard times. Yeah. Uh, for sure. But you've got to, again, just do what you feel is right. And in our case, we felt we were very much blessed and protected as we try to do the right types of projects. We try to keep the commandments, you know, pay our tithing and just do the things that we know to be right. And we very much felt we were led and guided throughout the process. How much of a role, when you're, when you're in a risky career, I mean, it really is feast and famine. There are very few, I always admired you because you were a, you were a full-time actor supporting your family through acting and everything else. How much of a role did tithing play in all that? So I, I have a very strong testimony of, of the impact of tithing. I, I I only hedge as I say this just because I know others have have had different experiences and they may feel differently about this. But we're talking about just your own experience. My own experience is this. 100% I believe we were always taken care of because we paid our tithing. Things got tight sometimes. So I could be super, super busy one month and have done a bunch of projects. But because you don't get paid from those projects 30 to 90 days after... You might be dying and, and worried that you're going to be kicked out of your house. And, and we've had moments like that. Sure. And so it, it's gotten difficult or it had gotten difficult numerous, numerous times. But we, we very much felt we are going to pay our tithing because there are blessings associated mm. with that. And we feel 100% that we were able to, sur- to survive because we, we were able to do that uh, properly. You, like some other actors, wear your religion on your sleeve a little bit, which I respect like mad. I mean, I think everybody knows you're Joel Bishop, Mormon actor. 
there's some actors and I don't judge them for doing this, but prefer to kind of keep that part of their lives. There have been actors who have decided not to be on this show and have said, I don't want to be really known as a Mormon actor. And I'm, I'm okay with that, but you have, have lived it. Scott Christopher and I talked about this too. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't care. I'm, I'm a Mormon actor. Do you think that's ever hurt you in your career? Very probably. I don't know of any specific instances necessarily, or at least none come to mind, but I'm sure it's, it's hurt me. Like, oh, we can't get Joel because, you know, he won't want to be a part of this. And that's fine. Yeah. I, I really, I'm really okay with that. I've had, like you, I've got lots of friends and, um, you know, it's an individual choice. Yeah. For me, it comes down back to those days in, in seminary when we were watching, I don't know if you ever watched the... Uh, um, <laughs> not free to be you and me. That's the wrong one. Anyway, some of those, some of those. <laughs> but films, I do remember free to be you and me as well. <laughs> that was, that was yes. awesome. I love that. That was great. Um, can't remember the name of it. Anyway, but it's you got to choose now what you're going to do with your life. You got to yeah. choose now that you're going to keep the commandments. You got to choose now, and then when the situation arrives, you don't have to worry about it. And I, I've tried to live my life like that. I, I'm not perfect in any means, um, but. If I'm going to be who I am, if I'm going to do what's right, then I've got to do what's right in every situation. That's awesome. And and I don't necessarily want to be known as, oh, a Mormon actor, and, and so he's only so good because of that. And I think that's a fear Yeah, that you get, you know, maybe typecast. Oh, well, they're not real, a he's, real he's actor. He's not a real actor. He's a Mormon actor. Yeah, not a serious actor. Well, baloney. Yeah, that's you're bogus. a very serious actor. Um, but you still have to stand up for what you believe in. And I right. hope that comes across in what I do. And, and I've had sometimes when... You know, I, I like to joke around and stuff. I don't want to do anything inappropriate, but there's been a few times where people go, oh, oh you're Mormon? And, and and sometimes that takes me a bit back. I'm like, am I not acting the right way? Because I... Yeah, we, I, all, we all question ourselves that way. Yeah. I've been through that too, by the way. I mean, because I joke around a lot. And even in my regular career, I'll make jokes and someone will look at me and go, oh, I thought you were Mormon. And I immediately backtrack. What did I just say? Yeah. You know, it's amazing how much people are looking at you. And speaking of Mormons and film, uh, last week, I think it was last week or the week before, a new trailer dropped for a movie that's coming out pretty soon. It's a beautiful segue that you Tell just Tell us. Did. You like how I do that? Uh, that was very nice. I'm getting to be a, a, a pro broadcaster here. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, so tell us a little bit about Trek. So Trek colon the movie and i it's trek that's the name of it it's coming out in uh april 6th and it's about a trek reenactment so many of your listeners probably have been a part of those reenactments i i have one of the best experiences of my entire life was going on trek with our ward so it can be a phenomenal experience and for many it can be an awful experience unfortunately sure and i think this this movie as opposed to being just silly goofy or whatever there's some fun moments in it. Yeah. But I think it also gets to the heart of if we're all on a journey anyway, that's mm. what the Trek is. So the Mormons that Trek, they were on a journey. And when we reenact these these Trek um, experiences, it's a journey. But the most important part is it's an individual journey. Mm. Where are we in life? What are the challenges we're facing? And I think this movie really deals with that. Some of the main characters are are really questioning who they are and what they believe. That's great. And and I think it's a great thing. I, I get to be one of the uh, the Trek leaders. They never say that I'm the young men's leader or whatever, yeah. but that sort of character. And, and it's a really, 
I saw a screening the other day, and I think it turned out really well. Alan Peterson is a great director. Yeah. I think um, David Howard, who wrote the script, uh, and he also was the guy who wrote one of my favorite films, Galaxy Quest. Did he really? Yep. The same same guy. Guy. Oh yeah. my gosh! Great guy. He was on Galaxy set Quest most... is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, same. same. No, that's fantastic. And and Alan, who directed it, funny enough, a uh, little backstory. I wrote a short film once where Alan played Satan <laughs> in that film. As one would, and I would cast him the same way. Yeah, he was, he, I cast, we cast him as that because he was literally the most unlikely <laughs> possible guy on the planet to play Satan, and that was the point of it, was that he's just the nicest, most approachable, wonderful man. This wasn't Fortune Cookie, was it? No, no, this okay. wasn't. No, this was this was a short film called Fall of Man. Okay, but uh, yeah, he and he was hilarious, and he was so fantastic. Yeah. But he's a great director too. I mean, just he's an a great, amazing per, yeah, craftsman. He great really person. knows the acting craft. Right, as an actor, it really helps if the director happens to either be an actor or really understand it well. And yeah. so, because he does, he's a great actor. He he understands how to get the right things out of his people and trust them. And um, I, yeah, I'm proud of some of the scenes that we uh, that I got to be a part of and, and the project. I think will be good. I think it'll be worthwhile to go see it. It'll be out in the theaters, and then um, it's uh, produced by Deseret Books, so it will be available on DVD afterwards. Awesome. It looks like a lot of fun. I mean, it really does. It looks like a touching yet fun movie. It is a little bit hard to find it uh, because of Star Trek. If you search Trek the movie, Trek, oh, anything to do right. with Trek, Star Trek pops up. But but as we get closer to airing, and I'll try to find a, a link for it and share it on our Facebook group because you're great in the trailer too. So Thank you're you. well featured in the trailer. So that's good. I should watch this. I don't think I've seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, so I've see seen the, the screening of the movie, just haven't seen the trailer. You so. should, you should definitely see the trailer. It's fantastic. Joel, uh, anything else you want to push that's coming up? Anything <laughs> else that you've got coming out that people might want to see? <laughs> oh, nothing, nothing definitive. There's, there's always things in the works and there's things that I'm auditioning for and growing facial hair and stuff for, but you know, until those things yeah. happen, you know, it, I never count it as done until I've been on set and I've actually recorded because you never know. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of finish up this, this part of the conversation with something funny that I may have told you in the past, but you did a photo shoot for the church where you're sitting on a blanket (laughs) with a family. And many, many years ago, I met your wife. And so I don't really know your, I can't say I know your wife well, but we bumped into each other and we talked and and I, and I met your wife and there you are on this beautiful blanket with a completely different woman and completely different children. And we were talking about this before we started recording, you know, we have a lot of friends whenever we see films or whatever, but I remember walking down the hall at church and that was hanging. I don't remember what it was for. It was for family answers. Okay, family answers. Great. So it's hanging there. And I walked by and I looked over and I go, hey, there's Joel. That is not Joel's family. <laughs> and for some reason, I felt very defensive of your wife. Like I needed to call her up and go, Joel is flaunting being on this poster with another family. Was that hanging in your ward building? It's hanging in every ward building ever. <laughs> so in your own ward building, you got a picture of you with another family. Okay, so I've got to say this. This Here's the thing. Because I've had people... Really take offense or or uh, or whatever. So have you really? Have people have actually been bothered by well, it? Bothered, bothered by it for this reason. It's like, well, wait, the church, the church doesn't use real families and stuff. Well, th- they do, and, and they're doing more and more of that now. Yeah, but, sometimes. But here's the reality: 
It's when you're doing any sort of production, you're going to cast it. You need professionals. You need professionals yeah. that can do this or whatever. So in that photo shoot, which was for the uh, for the cover of the Family Answers video initially, yeah, uh, they put me cast me together with uh, Colette Olson. Oh, boy, I hope I remember her last name right. Anyway, beautiful woman, and these are her beautiful kids. Oh, those were her kids. Those were her yeah. kids, and her husband so much better looking than I am who happened to be on set. And I'm going, you should have just cast them because they look great. But I think that, you know, directors want, even on still shoots or whatever, directors want actors. You you know, you've only got a certain amount of time to get what you need. Right, right. And so, well, so I was not actually upset by it. I, I know the back end of how it all works. Right. But it is funny because I have met your wife and there you are sitting there smiling, hanging in our church. <laughs> Yes, my wife is beautiful, and I love you, Kristen, and um, and she's great. But yeah. I don't know that they'd ever cast us together just because of our the way casting directors view. Yeah, I, I will say somebody somebody that was in my ward when that first came out. They were telling their I think their sister or something. Oh, oh, that, here, yeah, this picture. Yes, this guy's in our ward. That's not his wife, and it's like. <laughs> The way she described it, the testimony was kind of draining from her sister. And I'm like, I don't, I feel bad about that. So that's why I want to just say, listen, the church casts people and they yeah. try to cast good people. Exactly. Um, but it doesn't mean that yeah, anything's false or wrong But your or testimony should not be hinged on who is on this. Right. Because as, by the way, you're not actually Parley P. Pratt either. I don't want to like... Oh, that is such... You, know, you I don't want to spoiler ruin alert. Things, you know? Spoiler alert first, Sean. Come on. <laughs> One of the one of the great games that we play when my wife and I watch TV is there's Joel. <laughs> my wife is very quick to point. Out, oh look, there's Joel. There's Joel because you show up so darn often. Joel, this has been amazing. You're just such a great actor and such a good friend, and I appreciate you being here. We're going to wrap things up with the question that we ask all of our guests. There's no right or wrong answer to it, but what does being a member of the church mean to you? Mm. Well, that's a great question to uh, to end with, and I'll, I'll say. Honestly, what it means to be a member it is it has it is my essence of who I am or who I try to be. I try to live a good life. I try to live as a worthy member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I try to be worthy of the priesthood. I try to be a good dad and father. I guess that's the same thing. And husband um, and brother, but I but it's the principles I was taught as a kid. And I'm still taught today that really changes all of my decisions. It's who I am. It means everything. I cannot imagine being anything else. Therefore, that's why I said earlier, if you're going to live something, if you're going to do something, then it should permeate every aspect of your life. doesn't mean you're a, a lesser actor for holding true to certain principles. You can play a, you can play a bad character if there's a reason. That's, those are my lights. If there's a reason for that, but not just to glorify something that's wrong, but to show that there, there is a, there's a lesson here, there's something that can be learned. Yeah. The, the gospel definitely is uh, one of my most precious gifts, and I'm grateful to be a member. Joel, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, Joel Bishop is the actor. The movie coming out soon is Trek the Movie, and uh, not to mention all these other projects, the First Vision and the Kirtland Temple and the... Just turn on your TV. You'll see Joel within 10 or 15 minutes. He's in just about everything. Joel, you are uh, truly a great guy. We've been friends for more than 20 years now, and I just really appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on and sharing your Latter-day life with us. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it, Sean. 
My thanks to my dear friend, uh, Joel Bishop. What a great man. He is just an all-around good guy and so remarkably talented. Please go check him out uh, in any of the productions he's been in. He is just great. Thank you, Joel. This week in my Latter-day Life, I got to thinking about an article I recently read. It was an opinion piece where someone was really unhappy with a stance that the church has taken. And uh, I read through it, found it to be you know, a little bit ridiculous, but they were entitled to their opinion. And I read some of the comments down at the the bottom, uh, down below, fascinating what people will write. And there were people defending the church and defending their stance on these things. And then there were other people who were really ripping it apart. And one of the comments that I found most fascinating was uh, someone who wrote, uh, yeah, Mormons profess to be Christians, but in my experience or something like this, I'm paraphrasing, all of them are just so judgmental, more judgmental than anybody else. And when I read that, that so struck me as the opposite of my experiences with the church. But I do want to tell you about some judgmental Mormons that are neighbors of mine that I met a few years ago or that I interacted with. I've known them for a long time. Uh, as I've mentioned in the past, we do have uh, five adopted children, seven children total. All of our seven children have had their own unique struggles, but some of our children who are adopted Uh, come from pretty rough backgrounds, and there have been extra challenges to no fault of their own that they've been burdened with. And we have a son who, uh, unfortunately, he had uh, parents who were heavily into drugs, and that really affected him uh, in his life growing up. And and not only that, but it caused a lot of other behaviors. And unfortunately, those parents of his, his birth parents, passed away. He has had such a remarkably difficult life, came to live with us uh, when he was about nine years old, And we just love him to death. Great kid. But for a while, he really, really struggled. Still does sometimes, but it's he's doing so much better. But one day we got a call that uh, at school he had gone into some some girls' backpacks and had stolen their iPods or their phones. Now, this was devastating to us. I mean, to think about how these girls must have responded and how violated they must have felt, you know, someone's going through their backpack and he took them and he not only took them, but then he got scared that he had had them and he took the phones and iPods and smashed them and threw them away so that no one would ever find out. Now these girls are out their phones. We went down to the school and I was just remarkably ashamed and embarrassed to find out that uh, three of the, the four girls were neighbors and friends of ours. Oh, how embarrassing. And so I immediately called each of the parents, and as I called each of the fathers, as each of the fathers was friend, were friends of mine, and said, I just need you to know this is what happened, and we're going to make it right, and I'm so sorry. Each of those fathers immediately said, Sean, I'm so sorry for you, and I'm so sorry for your son, and I'm so sorry that you guys are having to deal with this. Don't worry about us. It's going to be fine. Now, I knew that the girls had gone home, that a couple of them at least, at the very least, had been crying, and that this was a difficult thing. We went out that night, and I bought new phones and new iPods, as well as iTunes gift cards and whatever I could do to make it up. And I took my son with me, and we went and visited each of the families. And this was so hard for him, for my son, and so hard for me. These were friends of ours. And how embarrassing and how difficult. And as we went one at a time to each of these three incredible families, each time the parents made extra special effort to say to my son, we're so sorry. We see your pain. We know you're struggling. We love you. 
And the girls said, I don't blame you. I know this is hard. Thank you for bringing me the new phone or the new iPod or whatever. And my son was embarrassed and he felt bad and everybody felt bad. But the outpouring of love, three out of three. Now, if I would expect that the response we would have gotten was, yeah, and if your crummy kid ever touches my daughter's stuff again, we're going to have a problem or whatever. That's what you expect. But not one of them did. I was so touched over the next several weeks as each one of those parents reached out to me and said, Sean, how's your son doing? Is he okay? Will you let him know we are praying for him? We pray for him all the time. We are worried about him. This was the response. And then a few days after, my son received a card from one of the girls. And it said, we hope you are feeling better. We hope you know we forgive you, we are praying for you, and we are cheering for you. I went into my room and I cried because it was the most Christ-like thing I had ever seen. They had every right to react however they wanted, and yet they loved my son the way Christ loves my son. And they judged him, and that's when I talk about judgmental Mormons. They judged him as being a worthy son of God. They judged him as being worth repentance. They judged him as being worthy of their time and love and prayers. And in that regard, they are judgmental Mormons. I have to agree with that guy who wrote the post that my experience is, yes, Mormons are pretty darn judgmental. And I will always be grateful for that. And that is what's happening in my Latter-day life. If you'd like to reach out to us for any reason, if you have a suggestion for guests, if you have any thoughts about the show, I can be reached. It's Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at LatterdayLives.com. We can be found on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. We're pretty active. We try to post and share. We like to share a lot of things from previous guests. And so please come find us. If you type in Latterday Lives, you will will certainly come across us. And of course, we can be found on... uh, on iTunes podcasts, on Apple podcasts, on uh, Google Play Music and Stitcher and TuneIn, pretty much anywhere. Uh, Or you can check us out at latterdaylives.com. I want to thank you again for listening and thank you for all the wonderful reviews. We have a five-star average. We just thank you so much. And next week, we're going to have another amazing show for you. I've got a few guests lined up that I am just downright giddy about sharing their stories with you. But until then, as in every week, There's a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. 